We're back with another edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll make it worth your time. Promise we'll try. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. And happy almost Thanksgiving. Almost. I mean, usually when it comes to Thanksgiving, life changes a little bit. I mean, uh, never mind. Life has, cha- <laughs> life has changed a little bit. Yeah, it has changed, but it doesn't seem to be changing as you, you know, really approach Thanksgiving. I mean, you know, students aren't leaving campus, uh, whatever. People coming over for Thanksgiving dinner, nobody's coming over. Us going someplace for Thanksgiving, we're not going anywhere. I mean, it's never mind. That's life today. Uh, well, <laughs> joining us is consultant, transportation expert, and publisher of the Dispatcher newsletter, Michael Senna. Great to see you again, Michael. Nice to be here. Michael, great. Hello, Ellen. Hi, nice to have you again. Uh, So nice to have you. We're going to have a good day. Well, another edition of the Dispatcher is out, and on top is the headline, the vehicle fuel debate has been hijacked. You take a hard look, uh, Michael, at uh, the common assumption that electric vehicles will help in the fight against climate change. Give us the overview here. This article started with with an email from Ellen. And in that email, Ellen sent me a report by a colleague, uh, Professor um, Frederick L. Dreyer, who is currently... uh, professor at the University of South Carolina, uh, distinguished research professor of mechanical engineering. And he is a um, professor emeritus at, uh, at Princeton. And in this and, report- and, a, and a long time friend, and we were graduate students together. We played squash together and we've done a lot of junk together, but go well, ahead. Well, <laughs> it, what, what hit me briefly, what hit me first was the name. Fred Dreyer, as you probably remember, was a football star also. Not this particular Fred Dreyer. Yes. Uh, not this. Out, He's a good, a good squash player, but not a yeah, football star. Yeah. <laughs> it, it turns out that my one of my college roommates was drafted by the Giants. And uh, I went in to, to, to see him and uh, at one of the practices. And afterwards, we went out with Fred Dreyer, who was also drafted at the same time. So that's that's my claim to fame. I knew <laughs> Now I know two Fred Dreyers. <laughs> This report by um, by Dr. Fred just this just blew me away. I, I think it finally, in a in a very clear and concise way, he's provided information that everyone should be taking into account. Everyone should be aware of it. People should be making decisions based on it. The people making laws and regulations should be looking at this. And it was accompanied by a few diagrams that were produced by the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. And these diagrams, just just in one picture, just say it all. Yeah, that's what I tell my students. I show them in class. To me, you want to know about you want to know about energy. Just look at these for a while. okay? and and, you know, go ahead, go. What the what these diagrams show things that I've been, I've been trying to, to, to verbalize 
discussing electric electric cars, I've said that the common thinking is that how do we stop climate change? Well, the common thinking answer is you force everybody to drive electric cars. What these diagrams and what, what Fred was, was putting together in, in, in his report were what you do by forcing everyone to drive electric cars is you push the problem from one place into another place. And the other place is producing more electricity. It turns out if you look globally, and just these, these diagrams are for the United States. They're, they're different, even within the US, they're different state by state. They're also different from the United States to China. They're much worse in China. But what the diagrams show is the amount of energy that is produced versus the amount of energy that's actually used. And the amount of energy that we waste is enormous. And we waste more energy than we actually use. It's about a third to two thirds. And that wasted energy is just going up into the atmosphere as heat. So the, there are two sets of diagrams. One is the estimated US energy consumption. And then the other one is the estimated US carbon dioxide emissions. And these, these, these two conform, coincide very much to, to, to one another. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to put into a, to a, a, a few words in a, in, a, in a few minutes what these contain. Um, I would like everyone to read the article, but primarily- Absolutely to, read the article, absolutely. To be able to look at these diagrams and, to, and to, to, to take it in and say, look guys, if we could only solve these problems, we would go a long, long way to solving the problems of, of uh, climate change and, and global warming. But as long as we, we continue to believe that doing something is better than doing the right thing. We're gonna we're gonna continue to have the problems that we have right now. We're not going anywhere with with reducing emissions. I mean, if anything that that's been, we've learned from the from the pandemic is that in order to be able to reduce emissions to where they need to be, you've got to stop doing everything. You've got to stop driving. You've got to stop taking airplanes. You've got to stop producing steel. You've got to stop heating your buildings. I if can't go to grandma's house over you Thanksgiving. You can't go to grandma's house, right. And, Thanksgiving. And, yeah, and we're not, <laughs> not going to do that. We're not, people are not, I mean, we're having a hard enough time keeping ourselves away from being, being uh, human, uh, becoming, being human and doing things that humans need to do. But what, what, <laughs> What Fred has done here in this in this article, then he goes on to say, "Well, here's how we can do it. You know, we're wasting an enormous amount of, of energy producing electricity. Here's how we can do it better. There are ways that we can that we can change the systems so that instead of producing more heat, we're producing energy, more energy, less heat, fewer carbon emissions, lower global warming." And what are some of the ways that he points out? Yeah, but, but before yeah, that, okay. I think I think that needs to be repeated because because that's sort of what I point out to the students with 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 these uh, these charts, and 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 the charts have have evolved because when they were originally generated and produced, they only showed the production and consumption of energy. Yeah. Uh, now. Uh, 
past few years, they put them out that they show the amount of energy that's basically just dissipated in heat, the, the efficiency of the various processes come out in that. And, and I just tell my students, oh my goodness, I mean, you know, you can go out and build a bunch of wind farms, it's gonna produce a little bit more energy over here. Why don't you work on making the whole thing more efficient? Look at look at how much you you, you can play. There's a there's got to be play there. There yes. there should be there should be as much if not more efforts in making the whole what we do more efficient. And sure, it's insulation in homes and things like that. And we've done some of those things. But as you're about to point out, Fred, of course, points out some things we can do more so big, go ahead big time yeah um what what i've said is as we've as we've seen from the lawrence livermore diagram electric electricity generation is the most wasteful use of energy the reason is that today the combustion-based electric power industry uses what's called the rankin cycle approach the maximum thermal efficiency of a rankin cycle steam turbine is only 42 percent but the practical efficiency is closer to 30 percent that's why we're producing, we're producing electricity, we're generating electricity, but we're also generating 60% of what we're putting into it or more is going into useless, wasted heat. A combined cycle power plant uses both a gas and a steam turbine together to produce up to 50% more electricity. So it, it's not, he's not saying, like a lot of people are saying, just go out there and drive an electric car, we'll solve all the problems. What he's saying is change the way we're doing what we're doing. He further goes on, he says, you know, all of these, these plants, these Rankin cycle plants, they're already written off. We can just close them down, put in, start putting into place electric, electric, electricity generation using the combined cycle. We can use what we've got. We can, we can power them with what we've got, but we're going to burn, we're going to burn less. We're going to create few less waste put up fewer um, emissions and generate more electricity which can then power if you want to it can power electric cars but if all we do is go out there and start driving electric cars based on whatever whatever it is we're doing right now we're just going to end up pushing the problem into another just somebody else's it's like you know, you've got a problem here. We'll we'll fix the problem here, but the problem doesn't go away. It moves over to the to the other side of the street, and that's exactly what we're doing. It may be even worse because the fossil fuel that we burn to generate the electricity to power our electricity wastes more energy than if we burned it in the car in the first place. Exactly. And all those various things, and I think Fred also in other places looks at various things and and other internal combustion and processes in in mobile vehicles. Vehicles. It could be a, a heck of a lot, but you're absolutely correct here. You know, all we're doing is moving, moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, exactly. I mean, you know, what what is the answer to to people who would advocate? Okay, so that means we need more solar farms. We need more wind farms. Uh, can can that we're, make we're, enough of a difference? No, we're doing we're doing a fairly decent job in some in some places. Uh, Sweden has gone from from five percent of uh, uh, renewable energy to closer to twenty percent. And we should point out for those who don't know that that's where you're based, Michael. That's where I'm based. That's right. Living living here for the past almost twenty five years. Uh, but we've we've had 
for many, we've, we haven't burned coal in Sweden for, for many, many years. There, is, there are backup systems that are coal produced, but they're not used. The primary power sources in, in Sweden have been and still are <clears throat> um, hydroelectric water and nuclear. We, we began building nuclear power plants here before, before well before the United States. The United States b- began early, uh, mid-60s, early, early 70s. Uh, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, and Alan grew up as well, the coal state, I mean, soft coal, hard coal, Pennsylvania now is is less than 50%, uh, sorry, more than 50% of electricity generation in Pennsylvania now is with nuclear. Now, we've heard of Three Mile Island, but what we haven't heard is that Pennsylvania has gone from almost 100% coal to less than, I think, 30 or 40% coal. So the rest of it is between nuclear and and uh, and coal. There's there's uh, there's gas gas power. Um, so well, there, there are advocates yeah. such as Bill Gates, for one, who are are promoting nuclear power and new newer plants that he's a he smart contends guy. is, is be- are <laughs> he's very a smart safe. Guy. Even though he went to another college, he didn't graduate. <laughs> yeah. But even though he went to yeah, another luck, college, yeah, he knew yeah. he could drop out of that damn he's thing. A, I mean, why stay? Right. You know, exactly. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He should have. He should have gone to Princeton. No, I mean, he's a smart guy. (laughs) He's one of the few people out there right now who's using his money to do really, really good things. Yeah, no, polio and and schools and education. And this is the other thing. And the pandemic and all that stuff, right? You know, I mean, yeah. In a place like Sweden, if okay, if we take a look at, you you mentioned uh, hydroelectric, uh, which is terrific. You have that capability there. Solar not a great option, at least in the winter no, time. No, it's not. No, solar's not big. Although we've been doing a great job of putting up solar farms, but you need a lot of you need a lot of solar here. The the most the most important renewable is wind power. We've got lots of wind, and we've got lots of space. Sweden is the third largest in geographic area in outs in the EU. Uh, so we've got lots of space, and it's it's horrors, You know, it's it's a it's a long country, and we've got lots of wind blowing across from the UK and, and Denmark. You know, they're very flat. So we, <laughs> they have a lot of wind too, <laughs> and a lot of wind too. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, but I, I'm sorry, but but wind turbines are so ugly. I mean, excuse, I just I can't get over it. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. And and but one of they the can't, things. One of the things that you also see in those charts is, um, you know, the amount of energy that's produced by wind, you can just barely see it. And the amount of energy that you're even solar, you can barely see it. And if you really think you're going to replace coal, you're, you're, yes, maybe eventually and so on. We have, we have many X's to go. I mean, we have to do five X, almost 10 X in some of those things. And with respect to, you said your standby power is coal. If you all of a sudden need so much more electricity because you're not burning the fossil fuels in your car, you're now asking, hey, come over some wire somehow. Uh, You've got to produce that. And what's standby coal? Oh my goodness! That's that's the marginal that's the marginal producer here, and uh, whoa! But anyway, uh, the the uh, other technology that's often talked about as an alternative to electric vehicles are hydrogen fuel cells. But don't you run into the same issue there too? I've read that they they require quite a bit of uh, 
electricity or power to to generate that. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to use electricity to generate the hydrogen. And right now we don't have we don't have enough um, research that's going into hydrogen. And the reason is that that uh, on one hand, the people who've been promoting electric vehicles, like our friend Elon Musk, um, who, by the way, was here of a week ago and, and caught the coronavirus just down the road from here. He flew his jet in, went to the party of the, the American, the soon to be ex-American ambassador to Sweden, who was having a birthday party, who was a co-founder of, of the company that he and Alan started together, PayPal. Um, and then he flew home and tested himself. And as anyway, he among the people who had been saying that you know, hydrogen is not the future, it's it's battery electric vehicles, and it, that's caught on. You know, and, and so more and more companies who were, had good programs like Daimler and GM, who had good programs in, in hydrogen, sort of dropped them and, and now focused mainly on on battery electric vehicles. Unfortunately, because in the end, if you can produce your energy that you need at the source instead of having to produce it someplace else and, and it's a clean source then you can do it the problem is generating the electricity uh, generating the hydro hydrogen requires electricity what what fred goes forward on here is that we already have technology yeah. that's available to us that we can we have the fuels that are available to us we can burn them in ways that that create zero zero emissions if we just focus on those technologies and he's so do, are you talking about having to uh redo more or less or or, or modernize existing power plants is that yeah, what we're talking not about not power plants now now i'm talking about cars cars and trucks okay. it's the reactivity control compression engines this rcci yeah. engine yeah. he didn't come up with this idea but but he's yeah. promoting the idea it was something that came up at the university of wisconsin um, where they also do great research and, and transport um, that has a thermal efficiency of close to 60%. So we don't have to reinvent wheels here, no pun intended. We can use, we can use what we've got, use it more efficiently, and do use the entire infrastructure that we have in place, but produce fewer emissions. I mean, what's the, what's the real, what's the end What's the end game here? What's the goal? What are we trying to achieve? We're not trying to achieve electric vehicles. I mean, that, that seems to be, people are saying, well, we have to have more electric. Well, we have to have electric vehicles. Why? I mean, if you own one of those things, you've got to plug it in. I, somebody just, I was, I'm working with, said, you know, I, I just bought, we just bought one for my, for my wife and she thinks it's a, it's a Volkswagen, a new Volkswagen thing. And then he sends me a picture of, of he just put in an electric outlet in front of his house where the car is going to be and you know the plugging this thing in we plug our cars in all the time here to, to warm the to warm the, the, the engine so engine <laughs> and that's a that's a really a pain and it's a simple cable i mean with these well, things you've got cli this climate cable. climate change can fix that for you <laughs> yeah, it is actually it is. You know, we don't have to we don't have to we don't have to have you know, as i said it was nine degrees it's nine degrees celsius here right now it's the end of november it's almost thanksgiving yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah I, I, to me, to me, I think the important thing here is, is that we do have some things that that are available to us now. 
Yes. Uh, that we don't have to go to the things that uh, that are seem to always be 30 or 50 years in the future, thermonuclear fusion, hydrogen. I mean, you know, I, I was a big hydrogen advocate in, this, in the 70s. We, we were doing all sorts of hydrogen mm -hmm. economy type stuff. Yes. Yep. And darn it, you know, at some point, the Hindenburg gets into people's head or something like that. And, and the whole thing ends up going south. And then you have the Apollo 13 thing, which, you know, sort of didn't help and whatever. It's sort of the same kind of things that the that, that, uh, nuclear is faced. You know, every 30 years, there's a three-mile island, whether it's called Fukushima or it's called Chernobyl or whatever. But boom, and it sets the whole damn thing back. I don't know, whatever. But, but go ahead. Sorry. No. So oh, go ahead, Michael. Well, I think I think that I've I've said what I need to say about yep. uh, about that uh, that article and about the, the information. And and Fred sent me a really nice note uh, yep. with with another whole article or two articles about what he's working on now. I mean, yeah. this, and it's no. it's it's going to be it's not going to be in January or February, but it's going to come along sometime about what's what's the next step. What are the other things that, that we can do that don't require everybody to suddenly start driving electric cars and putting more emissions out in the, into the, the atmosphere from electric electricity as opposed from our tailpipes. So, also, also from the that. from the newsletter, the latest newsletter, yep. uh, Michael, Thatcher Research, if I'm saying that right, uh, yes. it's a UK group funded by insurance companies. They've criticized the British government's plans to allow self-driving cars on motorways as soon as 2021. Yep. Tell us about that piece. I don't, it's almost like the, the government has decided to use the, the pandemic as a cover for doing all kinds of things that they wouldn't normally have done if they didn't, if there wasn't something distracting people. Um, they just, they just uh, last week they said, well, we're, now we're gonna have no, no more ICE vehicles in all of the UK starting in 2020. It was 2040. Which is you know, 20 years. That's fine. We can you know we can do with that. But suddenly it's 10 years, and what does that actually mean? I mean, 10 years. We're not going to start. We're not going to allow you to sell any more uh, internal combustion engines, either for diesel or, or with petrol. Yeah, but there, we already have you know several several tens of millions of these already on the on the streets. What, what about them? What are we going to do? Well, it doesn't matter. We're not going to start putting more. So yeah, everybody has to now move to electric cars because that's there, the we're, we're going to end up be, being like Cuba. You know, Cuba didn't have any cars. So guess what? All the cars of the 50s still exist in Cuba. They look like brand new. They've been, that's what's going to happen in England. <laughs> that's very good. And I think you, you've just given me, a, you've just given me an, an idea for, for, one of, for one of my muse, musings articles. I can't wait. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, so, Thatcham is a very, very reputable group. They're the ones who do the, the uh, type approval. They do research. They, they're, they're responsible for a lot of good information that's, that's collected about the safety and safety in vehicles. And what they're saying is to the, to the government, and, you know, why are you doing this? We, we, we have, there's no evidence that putting these vehicles on the road in general, I mean, what you're promoting here, pro proposing here, is going to provide any, anything in, in terms of, of improved safety. Uh, worse, it's, these vehicles are not ready for prime time. 
you cannot put these vehicles out on the road without enclosing them in some place where they're not going to be in, uh, encountering other vehicles that are that are not self-driving uh, or driverless. Um, so why, why are you making this decision without any any proof, without any without even discussing it with us, because we would have given you a recommendation to not to not do this. Uh, so far, the reason that they that they came out with this statement was that there was a report that was ready to be released by the government that was going to promote this. Uh, that that when I said this this consultation report, now they may back off. They may decide that Thatcham he don't want to mess with Thatcham. Thatcham knows better. In this case, uh, Department for Transport is just putting this out there for for maybe just because the government is saying you have to put this out there I mean, and amongst all of the other things that, that the government is is uh, promoting for whatever reason uh, maybe maybe it's because they're they're they think people are distracted by brexit or that that we can get these things through as long as other people are not not looking and then you know then we can come back and decide whether we're going to do it or not so um we'll see well, w with respect to that whole thing, uh, you know, I'm not, of I'm of course not sure what's going on, but but it's uh, to me, I think it's a lot about this whole supposed level three, which of course I hate, of the SAE, which of course I hate. Um, um, you don't hate SAE. Yes, I do. I mean, oh, okay. uh, uh, yes, I, because because they put that out as well as some other stuff and whatever. I don't know, I, you know, but who knows what that means. Because they haven't to, fixed to, your cruise to, control, but that's another yeah, story. Yeah, that's the whole that I went through that yet. <laughs> the issue is irresponsibility by the driver, by the owner of the vehicle. Okay? All right. The, the, to me, the, 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 the dealer sells me a vehicle. I own it. I'm the one that's now responsible for it. Okay. And that responsibility extends out to I go I have to go wash it, I have to change the oil, I have to I have to get a new battery, I have to clean the terminals because my car stopped at Costco one start because because corrosion appeared on my battery, believe it or not, just happened. I have to clean the battery. I you know and I have to pay attention when I'm driving. Okay? My res and I buy insurance case i you know totally irresponsible and and yeah you know, the 90 some percent of the crashes are because i'm i end up being irresponsible very few crashes are caused by me being paying attention it's all about me being irresponsible uh, that's what it happens and now now they put in this thing that that because uh, some additional I don't only want the Corinthian leather and the car play and the auto apple play and what to do and what to do and so on and luxury and so this stuff. You know, I now also apparently want to jump in the back seat while the thing's going down the road. Sure. Okay. But when I jump in the back seat, who's responsible? Okay. It's still, it should still be me, but I'm there snoozing, okay? And who's who's going to cover me in that situation, okay? And so I guess I don't know what they're saying. Some insurance company is going to go out and cover me. I don't know. 
I say if I say to Mike Scrutato, hey, will Munich Re cover me? I, will the Gecko cover me? Will Will Flow cover me? I I don't think I would hope. I I don't know how much I'm going to have to pay those folks to cover me. Well, this is, is this is, is what, Daimler is Daimler going to cover me? Is Volvo yeah. going to cover? I mean, they'd have to be crazy. Here I am. I can't even take the corrosion off of my my battery terminal so the car will start. <sighs> the hell am I going to do with 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 this thing? They're not going to be responsible. And so I go out and kill people. This is what what Thatcherman said. Thatcherman said, the problem with the insurance industry claims this Avery, the person at at Thatcherman, if driver is not in charge of the vehicle, this person would be classified as a passenger. Yeah, I guess, because I'm... Yeah, and there's when, and when I'm on an airplane, I'm not responsible for flying it. Even no. though I'd like to go up there and move over pilot, I'm taking up fly faster. Yeah, well, if you're sitting in a bus, if you're sitting in a taxi, <laughs> same you're thing. Not responsible right? for driving, but the right. driver is, the pilot right. is, right. the bus driver is. Right. If you don't have a bus driver or a pilot or a, a car driver, then the the claim for insurance has to extend to someone or something. And that that is going to create enormous problems. And right now we don't know. This thing, this thing's going to be responsible. This thing's going to be really. Are you kidding me? Apple's going to take responsibility? Are you joking? You know the way I treat that thing. Yep. I, I don't. That, that's why level three is is not to me even conceivable. <laughs> Because nobody's going to step up and say, hey, yo, I'm responsible. I can do that. I can fly the plane. And if something happens, come blame me. Right? I mean. Well, so far, Tesla hasn't taken responsibility for any any of of the. Elon has never. Elon has never said, hey, if anything happens to you, you know, I'm the second richest guy in the world. Come to me. I will take care of you. He's not said that. Yeah. No, I guess I guess that. the offering Tesla insurance to owners isn't exactly doing that. I mean, people. Well, are I don't know. I I think we better redefine print. Okay, <laughs> it's all about the details, as you know. Okay, I, I bet it's all about the details. All right. If and, I'd be, good. I would be surprised, but maybe, maybe it does. Maybe in the insurance insurance policy that he's that uh, Tesla is selling, they say that you know if you. If you use autopilot, we take responsibility. We for take it. responsibility. But I doubt it. Oh but no, I doubt I'm, it. I'm telling you, it's. <laughs> I, I, doubt don't, it. I don't know. I mean, we will we will do a special special podcast on that yeah. one and 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 read that line by line to the world <laughs> because because you can assure no lawyers gonna write that. Yeah. Okay. It's, Which gets us to the next piece. Okay. You know, apparently. Waymo has gotten the lawyers to actually say in their operational design domain that has to lead everything, mm-hmm. they're responsible. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no one else is driving their vehicles. Right. They, 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 they're, they're responsible. They're given the ride. Uh, whatever they, that entity in their operational design domain. I, yeah. they, and, and they can constrain that 
because they're, they they decide how it goes, where it goes, do, 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 who knows what algorithm here, algorithm there, supposed artificial. I mean, artificial. Are you kidding me? Never mind. Um, it, well, you know, keep it within the operational design domain. Yeah, but, but but what Fred just said is just sums it up. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter whether they've got a, a person there yeah. who, whom they would have to ensure a driver. If, yeah. if I run yeah. a taxi company yeah. I, and I employ drivers yeah. in, my, in my vehicles, they're not, do, they're not self-insured. I yeah. insure those people to drive the car. With yeah. Uber, it's different. With Uber, yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm a, I, it's my car. I'm responsible I pay the insurance. It's as as if I'm driving, but I also have to cover the people who are driving with me. Yeah, yeah, That's your responsibility. Yeah, you're my yeah. Uber driver. Something happens. I point. Hey, hey, Michael, it's you. Yeah. You're the guy. Well, but, but with with we've with agreed taxi, to that. Okay. With a taxi company, which is what Waymo is. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether there's a driver there. In fact, it's it's less. But you still have you still have the folks in the back seat, back yeah. seats. Of the of the Chrysler Pacifica, yeah, and you have to make sure you cover them. You get yeah. you cover the car. You cover yeah. the you cover any 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 damages that are that are any children you, you know. run over. And, oh, in the what's, meantime, what's, yeah. what's the news? There, there's no news. No there's news. No, the the yeah. only news is the only news is is that Waymo is the entity that says you can point to me if something happens to you. That's that's always been the case because that's they've owned the cars. Okay. okay, yeah, I understand, but nobody else in the world's done that. Uh, nobody. Wait a minute. Every taxi company does exactly what Waymo's doing. No, what they do is they put a human in between them. No, the human the human is an employee of the taxi company. The taxi sure. company employs okay. employs yeah. them. They they ensure the they ensure the tax the taxi driver. They ensure the 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 car, okay. and I they ensure the folks who are driving in. Okay, I agree. It's a taxi with, company. I, yeah, it is a taxi company, except there's no human in 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 the, in there. There's no there's no human part of it. I'm you know I'm still it's. A, it's this is replaced. This is real. I know you don't care, but but even though you know it can have a nice, pretty picture, just as good as me, you know, it's still it's still this thing. Doesn't make any difference. The, if okay. the taxi company decides, right. okay, the taxi company Waymo could be doing, or any taxi company yeah, could yeah, be doing sure. exactly what Waymo's doing. They're not insuring a driver because there's no driver there. Right, right. If right. I were an insurance company and Waymo's yeah. got. A, Google's got yeah. enough money to take yeah. care of this for yeah. at least for yeah. a while, as, they, right. as long yeah. as they yeah. continue yeah. doing this. And, and you know, little a little Chandler, uh, don't, don't Arizona. Be, don't 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 belittle that. Go ahead. No, but go ahead. We'll okay. discuss no, the belittling of as that. Long, as long I as agree. yeah, I agree. Partially. What I was gonna, what I'm saying is, as long as they're doing it in a very small area, Google has enough money to cover the potential problems that could occur if they have an accident. If they extend this throughout the rest of the world, it's not an accident; it. it's a crash. But well, that, that's just terminology. Go ahead. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. No, yeah. I agree. So we agree. Yeah. Where so are what's, we with what's, it? What, what's 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 the news? I'm I'm looking for oh, well, news. Well, well, I guess what what the, did, the news what, is. I guess, uh, Alan, the, the way you put it the the other day when uh, when Waymo was on a podcast with us. The, the news is that somebody had to d make this 
decision to say, okay, we're ready. There is no longer a driver, a safety driver needed on board. And or whatever re reach, reaching that decision. And Michael, I guess you, you have some comments in the dispatcher that uh, this wasn't brand new, that this no. had actually happened back in the spring. And, been, and that, but to a, less, to a lesser extent from what we're told. Actually, if this, this is why this is the purpose of the, there were two part, yeah. parts yeah. of the article. The first part of the article was <clears throat> everyone is reading into this piece of information more than what Google or Waymo was putting into this information that, that they were putting out. What they said was, we're now going to have our cars back on the road. We're going to take now, we're going to take customers again. We're going to take riders because they've been back out on the road, but they weren't taking customers. Now they're going to take customers mm -hmm. and they're going to do that without having a driver. Why are they going to do that without a driver? Because they don't want the driver to get COVID-19 and they don't want the customers to get COVID-19 from the driver because the cars aren't ready. They haven't been prepared for having a driver with customers so they don't infect each other. This is why I said it was very important to, to go back to what they actually were saying from the start of March until now. So first they had both then they had only drivers without any passengers. Then they said, we'll have, we'll have passengers without any driver. And then they said, okay, now in order for us to really provide you with all the services that you need, we're going to have to put a driver back in there because we can't go everywhere without a driver. That's what they said. They didn't, what they didn't say is now we're going to have all of our cars are only going to be driverless. So we're going to have driverless cars only and these driverless cars will go everywhere that you need to go that's not what they said no, no, yeah right and they they've never said i don't think anybody and no one no one should ever think that these things are are ever going to take you wherever you want to go okay that is a misnomer that comes from the madmen who have been selling cars to us and the way that we've been buying cars, thinking that we can drive them up the Great Wall and down the, the, the ravine and through snow that's, you know, 400 feet deep. Blah, my, car blah, goes, blah. my car does. Oh, great. I'm glad, you know. I mean, and, and uh, you probably, every one of those roads has red poles along them so that they can stick out over any snow drift, even the worst snow drift in 2,000 years in Sweden, so that you know where the edge is, okay? So the edge is marked so that the intelligence system, you in there, knows that there's not a ravine there. But anyway, that's a, but, but, <laughs> It is always, and it will always be, and this is what everybody has to keep in mind, that these systems will only operate within an operational design domain, period. And if yep. you happen to be going within that domain, great. If you're not too bad, if there's fog, forget about it. If there's heavy snow, forget about it, okay? You shouldn't go anyway. Okay, this isn't to solve the fog problem. This isn't to solve the heavy snow problem. This isn't to solve the, holy hell, we should be staying home. Governor Murphy says everybody in New Jersey, stay home, stay home. Don't go anywhere because we have this storm of the whatever. Okay, that's not to solve this. 
Okay. It's the song. Holy hell. I just want to go to synagogue. Okay. Damn it. Take me one that's within my operational design domain. I don't know. But anyway, we'll get back. Fred wants to jump in. Well, we need to take a, we need to, I should, I I agree. (laughs) I agree. I'm 100%, but the damn center, there are too few Jews. So, you know, never mind. (laughs) Who's the Skokie? (laughs) We'll be back. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, please head to MOTOETF.com. On the website there, look for the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the tab Insights and News. They have great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, as you may know, can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. We are back with Michael Senna, publisher of The Dispatcher, having a lively discussion. I want to make sure all of our listeners, I agree 100% with what Mike has written in this article with respect to Waymo irrespective of all the various things that I've said. And, and, and although you should read the last sentence in, the, in his article, he sort of, you know, whatever. I, I like that one. You like that one. They, I like they, that one. They I, would like, like, I, I, like I wrote, that. It, I wrote I, it for you. I know. Thank you. Thank you. No, I Why do. don't you tell uh, us what the last sentence no, no, says, Michael, for no, our No, make people read it, damn it. They yeah. should, they, no, they no, should they, read they, it. They, they should, read, should read the whole thing. I think what is what what you point out is really important to point out. Okay, is that the 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 amount of extrapolation that we do from their announcement should be should be should be one which should be very careful with that extrapolation. Yeah. Okay. The key to me is operational design domain. Whatever, however, that's defined. That's both geographic. It's both. Uh, it's atmospheric. It's it's it, kinds of people. Da da da. Customers, a whole bit. I mean, that is really important. And I, th- what I've given Waymo credit for is within their operational design domain, they've been able to pull out a driver. You can go to the Netherlands, and there exists a bus that takes you around and wherever in the Netherlands has been doing it for maybe 15 years, 20 years, it's driverless, okay? Their operational design domain for that thing was, you know, we have fences, we have a roadway, there is one road or two roads that we do cross and so on, but we've well-defined that domain in which we can operate. If you look at the Paris Metro, Okay, they've automated some metros. What's their operational design domains? I got I have some rails, I have some whatevers, I have some stations. That's it. Doesn't ju- all of a sudden jump off and go up to 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 the Eiffel Tower because somebody wants to go to the Eiffel Tower or something like that. I mean, it stays within its operational design domain. With this stuff, if we're going to pull a driver, to me, the only reason to pull the driver is to allow this thing to be affordable, okay? Because as long as we have a human in there, we have not changed the mobility system from what has existed for over 100 years. We've always had taxis. I mean, essentially always. I mean, I I watched Downton Abbey, and in Downton Abbey, whatever year that happens to be in lovely England, you know, and so on and so forth, 
they have you know chauffeurs you know it's like nice and and, and whatever we could always be chauffeured all right the problem is, is how the hell do you make sure that that chauffeur owns earns a living wage okay it's not a slave and it's affordable it's pretty tough and we have something that we'll talk talk about briefly later about the general services administration in the United States now, you know, given a contract to Uber and Lyft to provide mobility to the government workers. Great. You know, I well, sure okay, hope. Why, that, why don't you get into that? Alan? Yeah. I mean, why don't I get a, into that? You know, <laughs> I mean, I sure hope that. Britain and that's, it's, a, it's, that's, a, it's a five-year contract. Five-year uh, contract, they, great. And and you know, are are is the GSA going to make sure that those folks have health insurance, have 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 the ability to to uh, you know take a vacation, get a living wage, ability to feed their families, and so on, or is it just to take care of who's leading uh, Uber and Lyft to make sure they can have a house out in the Hamptons? I mean, you know, what the hell's going on here? And I I can't imagine that that. U.S. labor unions aren't going to say, say what? Are you joking? The government is supporting a gig economy that, that is, that is, that right now is focused on, on, on basically denigrating and, and enslaving the worker. I mean, come on, at least Apple decided to change its, its 30% that it gives the key gig workers in, in the world, you know, those that write code in their parents' basement, you know, Instead of taking 30%, you know, taking only 15% to allow them to make more on this on the apps that nobody pays for. Uh, never, never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> talk to me. I mean, I mean, talk to me here. This is an $810 million contract, so it's pretty significant. Well, I guess, you know, $810 million when you're worth supposedly, uh, you know, $120 billion, I guess. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, but the stock market, man, oh, I love the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't own Tesla. Damn it, I missed it again. <laughs> well, Elon, that's the, another story we we're going to talk about. Elon Musk does own a few shares of Tesla, and he's now the world's second richest man, passing Bill Gates this week. Uh, we don't know if that's going to stay that high, but uh, the stock has been soaring again. Yeah, and I think the SEA, the SEC uh, slapped his hand for saying, "Oh, it's worth four hundred and two dollars a share." Before split, <laughs> it was before the split. We, and I, I don't know what it would be worth if without the split, it'd be over twenty five hundred or whatever. Yeah, well, we know what it is. I mean, <laughs> uh, geez, I want to, I want to buy some at four hundred two bucks. And Elon, you promised it to me for four hundred two. <laughs> whatever never mind that's that's yeah. but, but we want to we want to get back to michael's um uh dispatcher the last thing okay am i for mars or me or venus <laughs> you know I've, this funny thing i haven't i haven't gotten any comments from anyone on that on that musings now that, <laughs> but you're gonna get them for my students i'm, I'm getting, sure okay. well tell, really? tell us a bit about it <laughs> go ahead go <laughs> Well, it's the the article was. I don't know exactly how how the idea came to me, but um, as I began thinking about who's who's riding in these cars, it it came from the research that I was doing on Waymo and. That is a very important question. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. no, you raise an annoying. Go, go, go. Yeah. I mean, if if you say, oh, 
who's is it is it rich kids and in, in the living in in like my I've got a good friend he has two daughters they're both living in in the Boston area and uh, one of them one of them is goes fishing with us so we're sitting we have got nine hours to travel up to the to our place where we go fishing and one of the things we got talking about was how she gets to work from from where she's living in the South End to Kendall Square, which is you know, MIT. It's across the river, if you know Boston. You can, to get from the South End, which still is a, is not the best area to live in, it, but it's it's a place where you can afford to, to buy a buy a condo. Um, so when Uber came or, came along, she would never get into a taxi. You know, the Boston taxis, I would never get into a Boston taxi. So I don't want to make any, any Go ahead. You know, Go. Yes. statements here, but she, yes. she decided that based on the time that she needed to get to work and the time that she, times that she was coming home, that her best option was to pay every day Uber to take her to and from work. And for her, this was, this was the best way of commuting. I mean, Getting walking to to a to this the closest tea, taking the tea across to Kendall Square with with one or two changes in between, just wasn't appealing. But when Uber came along, and that's how she gets to work, and back home again, every single day. She and her husband can afford <laughs> to have their own chauffeur. I know what these you know what these kids make, in the jobs that they have, but. Is is that is that the is that what Waymo is, is looking to have when they're sitting in their cars? And and what's the reason for people who want to do that? From her from her standpoint, although she didn't say it, from her standpoint, the reason for doing this was safety, personal safety. It was it was she felt more comfortable. She grew up in a suburb. She didn't grow up in a city. She felt much more comfortable. Like she, she was always chauffeured to school. She went to private schools. She was always chauffeured to the school because there's no the school that she went to wasn't in, within walking distance. When she was in college, she was close to everything that she needed. When she finished college, she lived at home again. She was still chauffeured to where she needed. She needed to get to the train in order to get into Boston. Then she got married. She moved into Boston, and now she's being chauffeured again. This is is it what? Is this is is this what we're doing? Is this why we're putting money into companies like Waymo to have rich kids or young adults riding in the backs of cars so they can do everything they want it to do? And what's the reason for it? So I started looking at some of the of the the interviews that were done, and they were they public they put these on the on the site, and and it was it was really it was enlightening um, about I I. Personal safety was one of the main reasons why they're not using a taxi, but they will use one of these, particularly a driverless, for the for the without a without a driver in there, because the, oh, a taxi driver knows where I live. The taxi driver knows that I'm not home because he picked me up. Now he drops me off, then he goes back to my house, and he knows I'm not there. I mean, these are the kinds of things that they were saying on on the on this. And then I thought of both my, my mother and my sister. Neither one of them had driver's licenses. My mother would never took a taxi, wouldn't take a taxi. My sister's exactly the same. I've, I've driven in taxis in Scranton. They're, they're clean. They're much better than, than certainly in Boston. But it's this, this mentality that, you know, if 
I don't want to get into some a car with somebody I don't know. And I don't know this driver. I don't know who this person is. But my sister would get in a car with, with someone who was a friend of her, of her son's, actually the father of, of one of my, my nephew's uh, classmates. And she would drive for four hours down to Washington, D.C. That's how she got down to D.C. to visit her two, her two sons who live in D.C. And she would do that at Easter time and, and Thanksgiving and one more time during the year. The kids would pay for it, of course, but she'd do that. But she wouldn't get in a taxi in Scranton to go downtown. And the buses are beginning fewer and fewer. So the, the, I started thinking about who are going to be, who will be the people driving in these cars or riding in these cars. And then I thought of, uh, of the, the Volvo, of the, 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 the ladies who drive, the women who, who designed the, uh, the Volvo for women. It was a project that was going on uh, low, quite, almost 20 years ago, where a group of, of eight women designed a car for women. And, well, what was special about this car? Why was it, why was it for women? Why wouldn't any car be for, for anybody? I mean, what, what's special about a woman driving, driving a car? And it wasn't about a woman riding in a car. It wasn't somebody sitting in the passenger seat or sitting in the back. back. This is, this, they designed this car specifically for women who were going to drive it. Drive it. They were professional women who were going to drive this car to work. And the things that, that they did, you know, they, they took the space in the back that you would normally have passengers or even kids, and they made that much more accommodating for the things that a woman would need, a professional woman would need to be able to carry all of her stuff to the office and, and things that you'd have to pick up along the way. So the back seat, the back seat folds up and, and you can put more bags back there right behind the seat. I mean, this, and then I thought, well, are we really, are we attacking this problem? Are we, are we designing the vehicles that people are going to be riding in specifically for being a rider, not a driver, but a rider? And who are, how are we doing this? What is it we're doing? I haven't seen anything that to me says, that, you know, 80% of them are going to be men. They're going to be small. They're going to be big. They're going to be, you know, they want to get to the gym. They're going to be overweight or, or all of them are going to be women. And that's, that's the point of the, of the title is it. Our cars are from Mars, men design cars, men invented cars, men are driving cars, have been driving cars, but that's not the case anymore. There are more driver's licenses given to women in the United States than to men, even though men are slightly, slightly less in population for reasons we, we all know uh, than women. But that's not the case in many other countries where men vastly outnumber the number of women, like in, in India and China. Um, Saudi Arabia, <laughs> Never or mind. You know, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's not let's not go let's, there. Let's not go there. Immensely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. So I, I just I found the topic to be yeah. very interesting, and I hope my readers think that the topic is interesting, and will some of them well, will start to do well, something about it. Well, Let, let's tell well, our audience where they can get hold of it, Michael. Yes, yeah, it's, no. it's in the dispatcher. It's well, in the dispatcher. Tell tell people where they can find it. They can find it on michaelelsenner. Com. One word, michaelelsena.com. And it's go in there and you can click on the dispatcher and all the issues since November of 2013 until 
just December 2020. They're all there. And for and Fred, listen, Fred, for, Fred's for listeners, trying, it, Fred, Fred's trying to drop drop us off, but I'm not. I'm, I'm just not going to let him hear. Well, I, I, well, I, I want to make sure people can get to your site too. Yeah, for, uh, li- uh, for for listeners, <laughs> it's spelled S E N A. Yes. Okay. Michael yeah. Elson. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Alan. yeah. No, I mean this is critically important, and as as I think a lot anybody who listens to any of this thing knows that. You know, my my focus on this thing is to try to get this to people who can't afford a chauffeur and can't afford to buy a car and have more than one cars or a car for each person in the family and provide mobility for them. You know, and I think the 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 key place that operational design domain where one could be doing that is in Trenton, New Jersey, of which there are many other cities like Trenton, New Jersey. But I think Trenton would be one for which for which it's quite different than the than the than the uh, the clientele would be quite different than the clientele that Michael was was describing or the clientele that I think is available to Waymo at in Chandler. And I'm just hopeful that one of these companies will come and say, yes, uh, what we're doing all this work for the opportunity that exists by taking the driver out of the vehicle is an opportunity to make it affordable because the expensive piece of this thing is the driver. The commodity is the vehicle and really the commodity is all the hardware and software that now is exceedingly expensive. That's all a fixed cost thing who on, uh, and once you scale it, the average cost because the marginal cost is close to zero ends up being close to zero and it gives you it could have you provide and be able to provide affordable mobility even more affordable than putting a bus out there but the mobility that's offered is enormously better than what you could affordably put out there today for what people, for the places people want to go and come from, you know, within a community, that's that's what I think the opportunity that the the fundamentally new opportunity, as opposed to hey, it, this just being another, you know, it's another brand of coffee. Oh my goodness, I'm not paying enough, enough for Starbucks. I I can even pay more over here, and you know what. For more, for more on all that, uh, Alan, uh, people are going to be able to sign up for the summit coming up. Let's let's talk about Fred's Well, you know, we're we're going to do it over a number of weeks. We're going to do it uh, at uh, at Eastern time, uh, lunchtime, California time at, of breakfast, uh, uh, Sweden time of uh, <laughs> you know cocktail time, and a, a, and Far East time of. Uh, of um, uh, midnight, um, uh, whatever. Or, well, this is going to be spread out over a period of weeks. And it's going to be spread out over a period of weeks, and we're going to do it, you know, hour and a half like we're doing here. We want to make it live. We'll be live. We want to try to get people to interact. And so there's a certain amount of information that's being presented here, but hopefully we can get the audience to 
to somehow interact. I mean, you know, that's the yep. value of these things. If we get people, it'd be great if right now we had a bunch of other people jumping in here, either jumping on Michael's side or my side, not that we have different <laughs> sides here or anything like that, but I, or, you know, some completely different side. So, because, you know, we don't know what this, what, we don't know the opportunities. We don't know if we can make it work. We don't, this whole design thing, how should it be? It, it's, it should be some, I think, substantially different if you're moving people in Trenton than you are in, in Chandler. But maybe not. I don't know. I mean, we need some sociologists here or somebody who, who, who deals with that. And, 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 um, and so hopefully we can, we can bring all those folks here. Uh, we've had some exceedingly good podcasts recently. Um, not that we haven't had good podcasts in the past, uh, but we hope that we can bring this up to even a, a higher level um, in, in the summit. And we're going to do it. We're going to start on the, whatever, the, December 10th or some of the Thursdays. We're going to try to do it Thursdays. We're going to do a couple in December and then pick it up again in January after the holidays and mm-hmm. And continue is there, down. Yeah. Is there is the is the program available? In the last issue of the of the dispatcher, I was the December issue. Yeah. I left it open because I didn't want to I didn't want to put out a, a, a URL for the for the summit until it was ready. Is that ready? Uh, yeah, well well Michael, 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 I mean, give me a, a an unachievable task here. Uh is it ready? Of course, it's not ready. There are so okay. many moving parts of the darn thing of people that need to be lined up, of schedules that need to be arrived. I I have a set of topics and and mm-hmm. people identified. Uh, it's going to probably end up being a moving target. Uh, we yeah. may, you know, some Thursdays may end up being, you know, holy mackerel, we're on top of who knows what, and and we might have to move it to Wednesday or something like that. So. So uh, in the beginning, I think we're going to say, hey, we're going to do the best job we can for the audience and the people that are going to go on this journey. It's it's not a course, but it looks like a course. And the reason why I've just sort of selected to do this one, because, of course, we have to do it remotely, which has some advantages. Mm -hmm. Okay, people can bring their lunch or their or their breakfast or their cocktail and sit there with us and and, you know, and and participate. And um, but we can't provide it for them. So in other words, we can't we can't basically buy them by feeding them and giving them adult beverages and keeping their attention. So we have really no control over the not that we ever had control, but control over the audience. Hopefully it'll be the content that 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 gets people to want to wanna come and sit with us and, uh, and try to move this whole thing forward. And you can do it without having to wear a mask. And you can do yeah. it without, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you can do it without, yeah. but hey, I love to wear masks and everybody should love to wear masks. Okay. I mean, I've, I've learned to love to wear a mask because, you know, really it, don't get me started out of, you know, nine months of gathering data. We don't even know how this darn thing is transmitted. And, we, yep. you know, I mean, we don't even want to go there. Okay. Because it's so ugly, but hopefully um, look, the pandemic in, in 1918 or whatever only lasted two years. Maybe this one will only last two years and then we'll forget about it. 
like we did the last one. I, you know, hopefully. But, but what I what I'd like to what I'd like to do is and yeah. when uh, when I send this out, this podcast out to the readers of the Dispatcher, yeah. I'd like to say the first one you you can't miss this. You should not miss this. The first one will be on this date, at this yeah. time. And yeah. So so that date is that time. Is I think it's whatever the Thursday is of December tenth. I think is December tenth, and it will just be probably just me most unfortunately sort of laying the groundwork for this as, as i see this thing to just to give a preamble to, to anybody who's listening to me there are two fundamental markets associated with this technology if we're going to use the technology as as a thing the, the one fundamental one is to go out there and and basically as i've called them safe driving cars that we buy that is that is that is a, 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 a system that that exists on those things that whenever we misbehave keeps us from hurting ourselves and other people because because we're misbehaving when we when we when we drive we are all excellent drivers when we don't misbehave when we mis misbehave we fall off the table okay when we speed, when we drink, when we when we sleep, when when we have road rage, when we whatever, da da da, bam! That's when the bad stuff happens, okay? And the probability that you're going to do those things ends up putting you either as a you know goody two shoes over here as opposed to a complete a hole over there, whatever, you know? I mean that's the fundamental thing here, and so and and that that that's enormous value enormous value to society the other one is if we can make it affordable make it affordable and probably the the biggest piece of the affordable it would be affordability piece on the on the mobility side on the driverless side is that not only you're probably going to have to ride with somebody you're not going to be able to get in there by yourself you get into elevators with other people, at least some of you, okay? Some of you may feel a little discomfort. Okay, so we're going to have to do the entourage to make you feel less discomfort. We're going to have to design it so you're not uncomfortable. But you're probably going to have to ride with somebody. Otherwise, the affordability opportunity just isn't there. Even if you pull the cost of the driver. But if you can do it for two people, you do it for three, you divide by three. And you don't have to do it by fifty. And of course the vaccines are the vaccines are coming to enable more of that. Well, I hope so. And even, you know, I think people people probably can get together with masks now. Probably people maybe it does require a plexiglass screen between the seats. I don't know. Or something, or somebody's going to invent a little rate, you know, that we don't even, I, I don't know. Great. I mean, there should be a bunch of startups out there, you know, doing some stuff. Well, the that's idea part is of the design that that's part yeah. of the thing that, that, that Michael point just pointed out to us. Yeah. The fundamental design of the vehicle for mobility of small groups of people to allow each of them to do whatever rings their chime i don't know maybe 
or fuel well, we want, we want to, we, we do want to tell people to go to smartdrivingcar.com to keep tabs on uh, yeah. the schedule for the upcoming summit. Michael, last word. You go ahead. Well, this, yeah. uh, as, as usual, this is it's always an, it's enjoyable. I learn a lot just by sitting here and listening to both of you and talking with you and getting my ideas out there. And uh, yeah, it's fun. Thank you for thank you very much for having me. It's always my pleasure. Well, thank, it, you, thank it, you, Mike. It's great having you. And and of course, we've we've got to we've got to make this fun. I mean, of course, it has. To, it's enormously serious. Enormously serious. Okay, we just put a little buns you know, on it to to make it to, so that we can absorb it a little bit better. I think it's easier to absorb if it's if there's a little bit of fun in it. The website again for, for Michael is michaellsena, S-E-N-A dot com. You'll find the dispatcher there. Really encourage you to, to read it on a regular basis. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. You can find more info at MOTOETF.com. Again, you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com. Also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Your smart speaker can play us too if you've got one of those. And you can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. And please stay safe and have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving.